When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today on the show, we have Wesley Verhoeva. Hi, Wesley. Hello. are you thank you so much for joining us i am well thank you i am uh in enthusiastic anticipation of a snowstorm which i'm very excited about that's supposedly happening some at some point tonight it would be very cool if perhaps the first flakes fall during our conversation because then the level of my enthusiasm will certainly go up Um, (laughs) and uh, great if nothing else tomorrow it's supposed to be uh quite snowy now I i know it's not quite like, uh, let's say, Rochester snowy or even New York City snowy, but we can definitely outdo L.A. And I know that's where you are right yes. now. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I'm looking at 70 degree weather right now. So, uh, I'm <laughs> Tim, where are you based? Uh, central Pennsylvania right oh, now. Oh, so you know I, about uh, snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had some and I think we do have some coming as well. So I'm I'm also excited. I love fresh snow. It's really fun. And also yeah. because of the past weeks and weeks, it's been very uh, overcast kind of flat so i'm excited for light you know to go shoot i bought a bunch bunch of rolls in anticipation yesterday so i can get out there tomorrow sweet amazing so wesley for our listeners who may not know who you are can you give them a intro on who you are and how you got into photography yeah i am a uh photographer and curator um my photography is predominantly uh portrait photography although that in 2020 during the pandemic that has uh changed for Mm. obvious reasons Mm -hmm. um and actually i'm really excited about it but i'm sure we'll get into that later my curation uh mostly has taken place at a museum in new york city called the international center of photography and i've uh curated uh nearly i guess about a hundred exhibits there and then also in the past i've done curation for we transfer and some other cool creative companies and yeah i'm just the photo geek you know that's that's (laughs) i've been i've been lucky enough to make my um hobby into my work and now these days i'm i'm searching for a hobby again so that oh yeah uh, so that i don't do only this which is what i only do you know which i love but it's also i've heard about this thing called work-life balance and i'm Mm -hmm. investigating that at the moment i hear that's a really good thing um so yeah i'm I'm all about it. And, and uh, how I got into it originally is that my father is a photographer. Oh, cool. It's in your blood. It's in the blood. And so I was, when I was probably four or five, he started taking me along on little photo trips and I would get his Canon AE1 and uh, oh. start snapping away. Mm-hmm. And 
And uh, that's kind of how it started for me. And then I took a long break between, let's say, like middle of high school until like 10 years later, where I was fully engaged in music. And uh, then I returned to uh, return as a prodigal son of photography back to the, <laughs> back to the camera. And uh, that's, yeah. So and for the past, let's say, hmm, I think... I think in 2014 is when I got back to photography and when I started doing it as a as a hobby and as a passion. And then I think within about a year or two, I was uh, doing it full time as a profession. Wow. That's I amazing. Love that. I uh, as well dabble in music and stuff like that. And I always feel like even though they're completely different worlds, I feel like there's just so much, I don't know, similarity or the, the similarities between the two, like music and photography and art. Like I just I love that because I kind of we, we were just saying like how you uh, the hobby, like I, mm-hmm. I'm now like hobbying music again, like getting guitars, getting recording equipment, just having fun. And that that fire is 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 it's stoked right now. Like I'm fired up and it actually helped my photography oh, yeah, because of it course. didn't make it the primary, you know, all my, all my eggs weren't in one basket. Is that, is that the saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my problem is it, it is, was my hobby, was my career. And I, mm. I, I didn't get burnt out because it was both. I found so much joy and I think my personal work was the savior part of it. So I was like, yeah, jonesing to do this personal work or like explore different cameras and, collect and all that stuff so i maybe i should get another hobby though maybe i should learn an instrument or something i don't know <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome i think ukulele and i think together you can have yeah. a you know new uh, a new song for the podcast <laughs> that's perfect because that my fiance plays the ukulele there so we go you can teach nice. me nice and easy um so wesley i want to hear about your curation process um i i worked a long time ago at a it was like a cinema in an art space uh, in in Hartford, Connecticut, and I always was fascinated with with how they found the artists. Like, what what that, that I guess is it a vetting process that you go through, or do, do you have people suggest things? Like, what's that like? Well, for the for the ICP, I uh, was asked to create a series that's specifically focused on young voices, or actually new voices, not necessarily young, new voices in the in the mm-hmm. realm of the the kind of photography that ICP is all about. So it's like very socially engaged. Uh, they mm. call it concerned photography. It's that's the term that was coined by their founder, oh. uh, and it, it's it's very um, siloed in that sense. So like no fashion, unless there's a you know sometimes there's fashion photography that has a societal component to it. Of course, uh, something uh, with uh, maybe underrepresented uh, people or something like that. So, anyways, uh. it's all within uh, the, the the realm of concerned photography, and it's specifically new voices because. ICP is a museum that has been around for a long time and uh, mm-hmm. has shown, you know, many of the greats like Elliot Erwin and and folks like that, Robert Frank. And so uh, they, at the time uh, when we had our first conversation is, is when they realized they wanted to kind of like bring in some more uh, younger voices and do it on a, on a, in a, on the basis of a kind of a more fast moving world and also a way to showcase it in a different way. So whereas the old guard, like the legends, are showcased traditionally like beautiful uh, darkroom prints on the wall framed, mm-hmm. uh, the series that I curated for ICP was actually called ICP Projected because uh, for two reasons. Number one, I was through my curation essentially saying I'm projecting that these artists that we're showing are future legends. 
And oh, also wow. because mm. physically the work was projected. So during the daytime in the in the museum, uh, there were uh, very high quality monitors for the work. And then during nighttime, it was actually projected out into the streets of New wow. York City onto Whoa. the windows. No way. Yeah. So it's <gasps> very cool and very different. And I, I'm really uh, hoping to get back to it because obviously the museum has been closed for a long time now. Mm. The museum was actually closed for a, a significant period because they moved from one location to a brand new, incredible, beautiful building. And uh, within, I think, six weeks of being open, COVID came and oh, they had to no, close no. again. So that's very unfortunate timing, of course. I mean, and uh, this is, of course, for everybody, not just ICP. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. since then, you know, it's just I haven't been able to cure anything for them because it's just not uh, happening. So right. uh, I'm, I'm really excited with the idea of like getting back to that and, and getting past my 100th exhibit because I think I, I got stuck at like 98 or something. <laughs> oh man that's so many though that's yeah. that's awesome that's amazing what is what is the term how does he define concerned photography like what is that what is, can you expand on that the 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 phrase concerned photography was coined by the founder of icp robert kappa who's of course a very well-known photographer wow. and and um was involved in many of the important happenings in photography in that era and and the way he defined it and i don't know if there was ever an official like written down this is what it means but it's basically mm -hmm. any kind of photography that that concerns the world that we're living in so he he photographed you know scenes from world war ii the spanish civil war all kinds of wow. things and and nowadays of course i think that concept has grown to encapsulate other movements in the world from like covid what happens to, what's happening to the world right now to the to the protest during the previous president to civil rights mm -hmm. to all all these kinds of things that are all about the world that we're living in and how we can document that with our cameras you know i really like that term just because like when, when I feel a need to document things like that, it's it's because I'm concerned. And mm. now that I have that term or whatever, I I, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, it's like a, a duty almost because of how I feel anyway. So that's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Now, do you use that personally? I, th I think that's where I was kind of heading with that question mm -hmm. when I when I first started it. Um, is that I was saying there there's a there's a photo on your Instagram. I think I think he's a cowboy. He has like the bluest <laughs> eyes ever. And there's just this feeling when I look at that photo, like I can see inside of that. And a, a lot of your portraits have that. Like there's just something in the eyes of the people that you're photographing. Is that kind of your mentality or yeah. I don't mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the word is that I'm trying to come up with for that. It, when you when you approach your portraits and stuff, or are you Um well most of the portraits that I take are people that have street cast people that i've run into mm. in the in the streets of whatever mm -hmm. city i might be in and in the past uh two years that means you know i've previous to covid that kind of like year and a half before that i was kind of nomadic and i lived in uh seven seven different countries like three months at a time oh, wow. and so it's it was all oh. about approaching people on the street and engaging them in a conversation and sometimes that conversation due to uh language issues or time mm -hmm. whatever could be very short could be like hey i love i love your your hat or whatever can i would it be okay if i take a portrait of you and it could be all that could be all that it is but sometimes it you know ends up being a much longer conversation and, and you get to learn about what's going on in their life and, and where they live and where i get to be a guest for the moment and um a lot of the time people that i've street cast and shot which is you know that's personal work uh, shot in that mm -hmm. regard like I, I end up keeping in touch with them and sometimes i mm -hmm. um most of my commercial shoots 
are cast from my street casting. So, oh wow! So, for example, wow. Uh, wow. I, I, there, I was walking around maybe maybe two and a half years ago, walking around Soho, just doing street portraits. And and my my kind of street portraits are the are the kind of like the intentional stop a person, talk to them, not so much the street photography with snap snap, which mm-hmm, I also mm-hmm, am a big mm-hmm. fan of. It's just not necessarily what I do. Um, but so mm-hmm. I, I engage people in conversation. So I was walking around Soho. I was on Lafayette Street in New York City. And there was a super, yeah, this interesting guy who whose whole vibe just was very arresting to me. And he was one of the people who uh, does the very large uh, commercial paintings that are advertisements. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen them in New York City. They they're commercial advertising for big brands, but they're just humongous, and so they can't really do like a spray paint on a building kind of thing. It's like literally hand painted with with brushes oh, wow. it's yeah. it's and it's lifelike it's really it's really incredible anyway so i was walking by one and there were a couple of guys on, on like some sort of construction thing to and one guy was kind of having a small small break and that's the guy who i noticed and he was super interesting and i just approached him and i asked him if i could take his picture we we ended up having a little conversation his name was akbar um actually we're this is going to loop back real nice uh, to Kodak. <laughs> so we have a conversation. I take a portrait of him. I was I was walking around uh, like any street photographer does with my Pentax 672 because it's a small and handy camera, you know. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so, so I took portraits of him and uh, we exchanged information and kept in touch and, you know, developed a friendship. And uh, then it meant, I think about a year later, I was casting uh, for my. Uh, I was doing a shoot for uh, Hanes, the the t shirt underwear brand, mm-hmm. and I was doing mm-hmm. a campaign for them uh, specifically about like a for men's underwear and specifically uh, real people with interesting stories. And so, oh, uh, I cast so cool. everyone that I cast. It was seven different gentlemen that I cast, and and all of them were people that I actually except for one uh, that I that I had shot on the street before uh, in different cities, and so. Uh, he was one of them, and so he goes from being a, a a commercial painter on the street who I have a short conversation with to now being in underwear ads for Hanes, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And so, just a, a little bit more about Agbar. He is the, the 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 guy who recently did that humongous and super gorgeous mural of John Lewis in in Rochester. I don't know if oh, you guys wow. have seen that. I'm gonna check it out. It's it's I believe it's quite close to where. Kodak hangs out and uh, you okay. know yeah, Steve yeah. Carter who I'm, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. uh, are friends with too yeah. he's posted about it too so it's this like super beautiful mural and anyway so he that's where Ag- wow. Agbar is originally from the Rochester area so that's how that kind of all ties together I was going to say I love that they let you as a photographer cast the campaign usually they're like alright these are the people that we've chosen oh no that's not how I work yeah no the- oh I love that <laughs> I love that <laughs> I can make it better for them if they let me cast it so also it saves yeah. you know saves them money because usually casting True. agent is engaged um mm-hmm. and especially for something that has a sensitive nature to it you know like which regular guy really wants to be photographed in their underwear right you know, that right, is not right, right. the most compelling uh, ask um and so right. if there's already a <laughs> if there's already a, a relationship of trust there where they have been photographed by me and they know I will do right by them and they know they can right. trust me. So true. That is yeah. a very different proposition then. Man, yeah. it just really makes me miss going out and shooting. Like oh. I really miss it. And <laughs> and and just to like your take on it too of, you know, yeah, we can all do the quick snapshot, try yeah. to get a good shot, but like I've always wanted to I'm so jealous of of what you do of that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I that internal battle I have of like I'm gonna be a creepy guy going up to these people mm-hmm. trying to spark a conversation and it's but when it happens like I've had moments like that like where it just happens like you end right. up getting their story and having an awesome conversation exchanging like Instagram handles getting yeah. a bunch of great shots there is nothing nothing more magical than that yeah and Ugh. and it really isn't I mean of course it's a, it's a little scary when you do it for the first time and I understand that mm-hmm. people are shy mm-hmm. about that but you got to just do it man and then after a while it becomes gets easier and easier and you know you don't we don't get that many no's either and i think uh, as a so woman true. i think yeah. it's actually mm-hmm. easier because uh, yeah, i think more i have pe- no excuse yeah, more people are trusting <laughs> of women for good reasons obviously yeah uh, right, and right. Uh, and so i think women should absolutely do that if they want to uh, fem- women photographers because i think you'll be you get an even higher uh, yes rate. Mm. But uh, honestly, I barely get no's. And of course, it happens. And it also is very location dependent. Like, for example, yeah, I can walk yeah. around Berlin for a week and still get like only one yes. But if you're in New mm. York City, everybody wants to do it, you know? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, every, cool. Yeah. It's a different yeah, story. New Yorkers, you got to love them. Yeah, in LA, I'm, I mean, everybody in LA wants to have their photo taken, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, maybe not. Yeah, but maybe yeah it's a, it's a little different here i was in a, a touristy town when living i was about 17 miles from nashville and it's like mm. a a well-known mm-hmm. little town franklin it's like where justin oh, yeah. timberlake lives yeah. and all the yeah like absolutely love it lived there for 10 years and that place you know same thing people want people are moving to nashville to make it in music right. or the arts right. or you know a lot of Californians are coming to Tennessee right. and it it was just so much easier and just the other day I was you know walking around town here checking stuff out and there was a guy and I was kind of looking at him like can I can I take your shot you know like giving him that right. like I'm not going to get up to you I don't want to talk to you it's COVID but I just want to <laughs> you know <laughs> and it, it just it was weird it felt you know you can get rusty when you don't do it oh, for yeah. a while oh but- yeah Yep. And, and that is definitely like, that's COVID, you know, obviously for the past uh, mm-hmm. many months, I have not been able to do my favorite thing, which is walk around the street and like talk to random people yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just reality. And so you have to get creative and do uh, other things. You know. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what are you doing now to, to fill that itch and need for. Right. Just a lot of self portraits. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, what I ended up doing is, so what happened was. Right, I was in Vancouver in in um, early March. Was it early March? Right when COVID kind of became a yeah. all of a sudden like bam, uh, borders are closing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is needs to stay home, kind of thing. And so, well, here I was, Vancouver, a city that I didn't know, a uh, very beautiful mm. city, but a city that I didn't know. No way to get around because I'm not taking a bus during COVID. And I don't have a yeah, car, yeah. you know, or, right. or driver's license. Um, and, <laughs> and and so I was in this um, essentially suburban area of Vancouver. And so I wasn't in the city city, which I was very grateful for because I love being near nature. And I was like, well, well, shoot, what am I, what am I going to do now? I can't, you know, I can mm. walk around all, all I want, but this is a suburb. No one's walking outside. Right. Yeah, it's also COVID. <laughs> so I can't go to another neighborhood. And Okay. That is, uh, that is, those are, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, restrictions and I'm a big fan of putting limitations on creativity to, to within those limitations, get 
uh, more creative. And I don't think I would have necessarily picked these limitations, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but now that uh, they happened, I had to deal with it. So what I decided to do was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go on a daily photo walk and I'm just going to, I'm going to, instead of doing, you know, my normal is running around fast in a, across a mm. big city. Okay, well, we're doing the yeah. opposite now. We're going to go walk real slow in a tiny neighborhood, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, man. and instead of approaching people and talking to them and taking their portrait, we're not taking any portraits. We're focusing on whatever it is that I come across. And so during during these photo walks, and, and, and I decided, okay, I'm going to just do a daily thing because I need a routine to hold on to. I need, yeah. you know, my world has completely changed suddenly, uh, both professionally as well as socially, like, in, you know, just like for everybody else. And so I needed right. something. I'm a routine uh, based person and I needed a routine to hold on to and also one that involves like creative expression. So I decided, okay, every day during the, the, the time where the lightest um, harshest. I'm going to walk around and for two or three hours in this neighborhood and take pictures. And so I'm going to go slow because that's all I can do. And I'm not going to take pictures of people because that's all I can do. And yeah, <laughs> as I did it, you know, the f day after day and I didn't miss a day, I, I had all these great lessons that came out of that. So I, mm. you know, I ended up because of the slowing down, I ended up noticing all these little bits of beauty that I would have rushed right by usually. Oh. And I, I, I also ended up uh, taking photos of things that I never take photos of, like flowers that I walk by every day and I see them changing. I see them come up. This is springtime, right? So I saw certain flowers come up, blossom a couple of days later, slowly shrivel up, be replaced by another wow. type of flower. So I, I learned how to pay better attention. I, I learned to, to like quiet myself down and like be more in touch with the environment that I'm in. Whereas usually I'd be running around. I'd be all about me and the other <laughs> right. people, of course, that I would yeah. meet. And so I had to flip all these switches. And and, and it, it was really a wonderful thing uh, within the context of the creative project here because... Uh, I ended up doing this for 123 days in a row. Wow. Whoa. And because I, I'm walking with my iPhone, I also was able to keep track kind of unintentionally of like the distances and the hours and stuff like that. And so oh, by the end of this these 123 day uh, project, I saw that I'd walked nearly 800 miles Jeez. Oh. in this one neighborhood. This is a yeah. this is a very small wow. neighborhood. I can walk from one corner to the other in like forty five minutes. Wow! Wow! You know? Wow! So, um, <laughs> another lesson that I gained from this was that you know if you would have told me in advance, hey, uh, for your next project you have to walk eight hundred miles. Oh, also it has to be in the same neighborhood. You know that <laughs> no, that wouldn't have been very compelling to me as a as a premise. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, the lesson is if you if every day you take a small step forward to towards your goal, towards whatever that might be, that really compounds. That really adds up to like more than you can ever imagine. Like I couldn't have imagined walking mm. 800 miles for a project or for any reason. You know, so if I imagine that I would have started in Vancouver and I would have walked in a straight line, I would have gotten all the way to Saskatchewan. That, wow. You know, <laughs> it's further oh, than yeah. it's 100 something miles more than New York to Toronto. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of Yeah, wild. I think I mean even yeah. even from here to Tennessee is only like 730 some miles and that is a that's a drive. Like that drive yeah. kicks your butt. 
So I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah, and so so what came from this is not only finding a new uh, format and a new form of photography for myself, mm. but also now what is to be my first uh, monograph, my first photo book, because the body of work that I built oh. in this period is now weeks away from being a photo book. And uh, oh, that's so. And awesome. the and the theme, and yeah. as well as the name of the book, is notice because that's what it was all about. Uh. The things that I noticed when I slowed down and quieted down in this new place that was very unfamiliar to me, that had all these limitations that did not work with my type of photography. But the noticing was therapeutic. It was, it was meditative. Yeah. It was something that like freed up this whole other level of creativity within me that I wouldn't have chosen. Or known about, really, wow. you know? It's funny how, how, how the little things, I mean, obviously nobody expected to be in this pandemic, mm -hmm. but like even outside of that, like one, one change in your life can open up a door to something you would never expect. And yeah. I just think that's, that I, I'm just like so happy that happened for you because, you know, a lot of us with this COVID stuff, you know, we were in a rut and we didn't know what to do. And a lot of people shifted and, you know, in other ways, like we're able to open little little photo labs and things like that. But I think that's really cool that you've, you've you know, found this other creative aspect for your photography and that you're going to share it with all of us is, is, is wonderful. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm, it's a project that I'm really proud of and never could have seen coming and and now also it's been like I've worked on many books as a curator, like in different formats, but this is it's really fun mm -hmm. to ground up, build a whole book that is mine, you know, and not by myself. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Dan Rubin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's the he's the designer of the book. Oh, Great. sweet. And um, and many of the uh, of our mutual friends who are photographers have been. Um, invaluable in 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 helping me curate down the images to a you know because I had you know I mean I walked for 123 that's a, that's 1.6 million steps by the way according to my phone that's uh, insane and so I oh ended up <laughs> I ended up with like you know 35,000 images to curate down from so no you know, way so I, I, wild and you can't make a book out of that many images you know? so I'd had to no. go down no. from 35 I got it down to 1500 I got it down to 500 I got it down to 300 and then I was just kind of stuck because I was like I don't I don't even I can't even tell what this is what these right, photos even are right, anymore right. so I ended up setting up a bunch of uh, zooms with like maybe 20 of my friends who are photographers like one by one obviously and then to and kind of walk them through uh, the images and this was another thing that only kind of happened because of COVID because I wasn't mm -hmm. doing any video chats before COVID right you none know, of us yeah, really yeah. would have just sent them a folder of files and then been like hey look at these what do you think and that is not really this that's <laughs> like that's asking a lot from people and it's right. also not that helpful for me so what I ended up doing is setting up zooms and then screen share my bridge Adobe bridge mm -hmm. and then go through and then star the ones that I could tell because I can see their face I can see what are they responding uh, to you know and oh, and so even better. it was really a great way to curate my work down and say like you know because a lot of the time there were images in there that that they were, they were special to me for some sort of reason, but I kind of knew in the back of my head that they might not be a, that great, but there was something about it mm -hmm. that it was, I mean, it was emotional to me. And so if you go through these images and you see someone not respond to them, then that's a that's great confirmation for the back of my head. To like, oh yeah, that was not that great. Let, let's make, yeah. let's take that one out. And so, <laughs> you know, that, that also, that process also led to an unexpected uh, uh, second uh, level of noticing because as I was going through these images, I noticed all these p 
patterns that I had in my oh, work, yeah. which was really weird and cool because I would see uh, a picture. Once I got down to 250, I printed them all out and I put them on the floor and I started noticing mm -hmm. these patterns. And I saw one picture of a lawn, for example, that was cut in a certain kind of like, um, kind of like a S shape. And, oh. and then I saw another image on the floor, like a couple of yards over that I took weeks later of a totally different part of that neighborhood that had a garden hose laying on the floor in the exact same shape S. Oh, and so wow. through recognizing these patterns that I were in unintentionally, you know, made their way into this body of work, I was able to come to the conclusion that this book is going to be predominantly paired images left page right page so they're mm -hmm. not taken in the same place they're not of the same thing but there's always something about the left and the right page that binds them together and that's like a sometimes it's a very subtle thing and sometimes it's a little less subtle and so that was my my kind of like second discovery of noticing but just like after the work which is really fun to do as well Man, I love that about so great. about putting books together. Like, mm -hmm. I love it so much. I I really need to get more involved and do more stuff like that because that's to me is is definitely. I mean, it's a whole other world on its own too. You know, like going out and shooting is one thing, and then taking it and curating it and picking this and that and that. But it's just so much fun to like you just said, like the lawn mm -hmm. that's in an S shape, and then the hose, and it's it's really cool that things kind of collide after a while, like. I, I noticed that a lot when I did a little zine at the beginning, the beginning of COVID, and I was mm -hmm. having a lot of fun trying to pair the images and find the story in what I was doing. It's just a great process. And I always, we always too, as a show, we're always mm -hmm. just like, print your work, print your work. It yeah. is such a fun thing to do. Yeah, it really gives you a whole different appreciation for image making. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a fancy print. I just went to a Kinko's and printed out the picture so it doesn't yes. have to be yeah, on exactly. special paper doesn't have to be expensive it's just about being able to contextualize these images in a three-dimensional environment so that you mm -hmm. can see a narrative forming you know you can see it's not just a collection of photos there's yes. a narrative that you're trying to put together and you may not know exactly what it is before you know like i think a lot of of our fellow photographers and all of us really at some point in in, in our uh journey as photographers get get to the point where you're where you get kind of stuck because you feel you need to uh ideate and conceive of a project fully formed in your head before you start it mm. and right. and that is uh, just absolutely not the case you know this this per this notice project is a perfect example of it i didn't know it was going to be a project to begin with and right and i certainly didn't know it was going to be a book you know the, the way that went was just like after two weeks of daily daily uh photo walks i was like oh well, this is fun. Maybe I can get a print out of this. Maybe a print or two, like from like make a print shop and have like one or two images in it. And then after like we're four weeks later, and we're like, I'm like, oh well, maybe this could be a zine. Who knows? This would be kind of fun. And then at some point, I was like, well, shoot, I think this might be a book. You know, this is yeah. a, maybe oh, I have enough photos for a book. I don't know. Well, let's see. And so then then you discover in that curatorial pro mm -hmm. process, you uh, oh. I do. I think I do have enough for a book, and so there we are. Wow. Do you think you'll uh you'll you'll do a show? Um, I do think that will happen, but I have no idea when, due to obvious right. reasons. Mm. Um, I've done shows before in in Brooklyn and L.A. and San Francisco and and some other places, but um, mm -hmm. not of this kind. But this work lends yeah. itself very well 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, for shows, because it's it's much more towards fine art and uh, let's say documentarian. And so, right. um, yeah, I think that that will, that will happen at some point. So when will it be available? Well, I want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want it. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm doing a, you know, one of the other things that happened during COVID uh, for many of us is that I got real short on cash. So yeah. I am doing a pre-order, uh, for the book cool. and that will, uh, happen in the next, I think two weeks or so. If, uh, if all goes Great. well, yeah, I'm just waiting for a few final quotes from the printer. Uh, I have a really amazing team uh, that I get to work with. I have a, an amazing lithographer, uh, Sebastian, who oh. has worked on like many, many books that you might own or have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm working with a, with a producer uh, whose name is Jos, who also has worked on many books that you've seen. He worked with a lot of stuff that, that was for Dashwood in New York City. Um, mm. and Dan Rubin is the designer. And then there's a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, there's a, a friend of mine is a photographer and writer and his name is Craig Mott and he lives in Japan and his whole creative process is around walking because in Japan, there's these traditional, mm-hmm. very, very long distance walks and he goes on them and he photographs and whatever. And so he, I asked him to, because he's a writer first and foremost, asked him to uh, write a guest essay which will be in the book as well. Oh, wow. So I really, I'm really having so much fun with this book because I get to make it uh, like a dream team of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of yeah. Friends, yeah. friends that work on this with me. And uh, uh, we're working with Wilco, which is an art book printer here uh, in the, yeah, close, to yeah. the mm-hmm. close to Amsterdam, which is one of the best in the world. And so, uh, yeah, I hope uh, I'm waiting for a few quotes from them because we're we're determining it's going to be a hard ba- a hardcover cloth bound book and oh. i know mm. exactly i knew exactly what cloth i wanted there's like a hundred thousand different co- kinds of cloth and papers i knew yeah. exactly what paper i wanted that that's happening i knew exactly what cloth i wanted they don't have that cloth in the color i wanted so now oh. we're looking no. <laughs> yeah. but that's okay Bummer. there's many there's so many other cloths and so <laughs> right now i'm waiting to get some samples in from different kind of cloths that have the same quality level but do get closer to the color and so i'm hoping mm. once i have that information 
uh, all the content is is ready. The guest essay is ready. There's a map illustration in there from the whole the little neighborhood that I walked by Jeffrey Phillips, who's one of my favorite illustrators. The sequence oh, is done. The design so is done. Mm-hmm. Everything is done. We're just waiting on a couple of quotes, and then I'm personally, as a non-coder, uh, building a Shopify shop <laughs> store, um, yeah, yeah. which is also almost done. I've, it was actually not as hard as I thought it would be. So uh, the pre-order should be with us in. I'm hoping within the next two weeks max. Well, let us know because we'll definitely let everybody know that it's ready to be yeah. pre-ordered because that sounds so phenomenal. I'm really and congrats on that. I just have one more question about the process of that. With shooting it, did you did you have it all done before you kind of sat down and looked at it? Or were you just kind of done and then took it to mm-hmm. book form kind of thing? So, uh, so it, the book is a mixture of of different formats so there is a medium format uh analog photos there's uh you know one 135 format uh there's mm. also fp 100c uh the oh. the oh. part oh. polaroids uh and there's also some digital uh, images that i took so i just really like when they cross the board with it but all yeah uh, all on the same kind of film and the same kind of developing so so uh i didn't see the f- analog photos until i was already out of vancouver so i shot 123 days worth of photos and then i sent no joke seven pounds of film to my lab in new york city (laughs) uh it cost me like 125 dollars just to mail my film i believe it i I don't even want to know what the final price was (laughs) yeah but let's not talk about that um yeah Like I said, I'm a little <laughs> short on cash at the moment. Right. So, mm. um, no wonder. No wonder. So, yeah. So, I didn't even get to see uh, the analog work, except for obviously for the peel apart Polaroids, uh, until uh, two weeks after I left Vancouver. So, I did get to see the the digital work, obviously, and I, I did go through them day, kind of like every day. And so, I had, I had a notion that I would have enough. But I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know like how many images it was going to end up being because, you know, some books are 40 images and some books are, mm-hmm. you know, this book is going to be, I think, 84 images. So it's quite wow. a substantial book, but, but not, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't really know where it was going to fall because I just hadn't seen all the work yet. So, but what I did know was in the last week, I decided to, um, I knew I had enough or I, I didn't know because I hadn't seen it, but I felt like I had enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the last week, instead of doing the same thing uh, that I had been doing for all those previous weeks, I ended up renting Polaroid 600 SE to go back mm. to some of my favorite little spots and recreate oh, some man. of the photos. And so uh, this is, I haven't told anybody this yet except for Dan Rubin, but <laughs> there's going to be a, a very limited edition, special edition of the book of the, of which there will be ten copies, which um, will come with one original peel apart Polaroid. Oh wow! Um, so there'll be, you know, that's a one of one. Like I've never, yeah, yeah, yeah I've yeah, never yeah. in my life given up single instant photo to because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't part from them. But in this case, I thought it was just too cool. You know? Yeah, I've I've t- made sure I've taken it twice, like mm. one for me, and then I'll give this one away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. I, I wish I would have thought of that, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I went back in that last week to some of like I I I'm kind of an obsessive stats and data person, so 
in all of these weeks of walking, uh, if I would find a certain little thing, like there was like an old abandoned car in this one parking lot, or there was a tiny horse in one backyard, you know, <laughs> that yeah. it, little things I would mark it on my Google Maps. And so I actually have a Google Map with, mm. with like dozens of little like points on it. And so I thought in that last week, I'm going to go back to like, some of my favorites. I had two packs of FP 100C, so I had 20 shots, and I I said I go, I'm going to go back to some of my favorites, recreate some of those shots, so that that can be a really special, extra wow. bonus thing for like the super duper special edition of the book. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I at that point in the last week, I was thinking of packaging. I was thinking of a presentation, and I wasn't shooting like the regular photo walks anymore because I felt okay. I've done this for 120, 23 mm-hmm. days now. I think I have enough. I love that the little Easter eggs thing. Yeah, I yeah. did that with the the first zine that I made of the of Franklin when I was living in Franklin. I I did three copies where I included uh, a peel apart, you know, an FP three thousand B frame in the slot of the photo. And at that point, that film wasn't as scarce right. as it is today. <laughs> right. But now you would never. I, I just, uh, I just love that. I love yeah. the because you know us photographers, we open something up like that and look at it, and we get it. We know like the value yeah. of of that frame, mm-hmm. and it's tough to let go of things like that, though, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. I, I'm the type that always keeps the negative too oh, yeah, of the too. peel apart, like yeah, yeah and. <laughs> At least I still have that somewhere, but right. Well, speaking of photo books, Wesley, I wanted to talk to you about the other thing that you curate. Um, it's, is it the Observers? Is that? Yeah, that's right. I do that with my yeah. with my good friend Paul Jun. We were just such a cool. Over, yeah, yeah, it's we such were just cool gushing thing. about it. I've recently start like because of covid like ramped up my photo book collection because mm. i'm like well i'll just buy photo books and look at people's work if i'm not going shooting you know mm-hmm. so I, I yeah i would love to hear about that yeah and i and i always say uh and and this is not an original uh wesley quote i've i and someone else told me this at some point but i always say that you're better off spending money on a photo book than on a new camera because you know we all yeah we <laughs> yeah. all can uh, be so- struck by a sudden case of uh gear acquisition syndrome and yeah. uh, and that is oftentimes not money as well spent as as buying a photo book that can really inspire us yeah. and so um mm-hmm. with that in mind paul and i had uh, uh we worked in the same co-working space in brooklyn for a long time and uh he at the time was the head of content for creative mornings do you guys know about creative mornings it's this, it's no. this one i recommend everybody look it up uh it's this wonderful yeah. global uh, creative community that has uh i think over 200 city chapters and they have in-person events oh, obviously wow. now it's all moved online for the moment but in-person mm-hmm. events with like free breakfast and an amazing speaker like uh, one one friday i think it's usually friday it's one friday a month but anyways he was the head of content of creative mornings at the time when this when this happened and uh, he was also uh, beginning to fall in love with photography he had uh mm-hmm. he had just kind of started uh shooting digital and i don't recall the exactly when he got his first analog camera but uh he he got like within one week of having his first analog camera he actually bought a Leica m6 because he just went all the way for it gotta go for it isn't it so wonderful when you when you come across somebody who's just starting and you're oh, like so oh fun. i can't wait to, for this journey for you yeah it's really <laughs> fun and so we would have a lot of lunches together because we could geek out about photography and just talk about other things that we're both into and um we started talking about photo books and I told him that I had this idea uh, and that I wanted to kind of play around with him 
because I saw in him uh, uh, someone with a um, a skill set that was different from my own, but also someone mm-hmm. with uh, as uh, um, let's call it a friendly psychopathic. Uh, focus on <laughs> on good quality like he's the kind of guy who will not stop until something is right and right. i am that way too and that can be quite frustrating for collaborators but if you're both that way it's really wonderful and i i, I mm. knew that that was how he was as well just from how incredibly well he did his job at creative mornings and so uh, I, knew, I just knew he cared so much and so i i shared my idea with him and then we together evolved the idea and made it become the observers so what what the observers is 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 our way of solving the problem well what what photo book should i get you know like i don't really Mm -hmm. i want to get a photo book but i don't know exactly which photo book and so i i was thinking about it and as we were talking i was like well you never really see photo books recommended. You see the, you know, you see the end of year list of like best photo books of 2020 or whatever, yeah. but that mm-hmm. happens once a year and it's usually kind of an obvious list. And, and also it's curated by a writer. I don't, you know, I don't really know what their taste is and wouldn't it right. be cool to, to get recommendations from the photographers who we love. And we're essentially asking those photographers, Hey, Bruce Davidson, for example, was one that we talked to. Hey, Bruce Davidson, you inspire us. Who inspired you? What are photo oh, books? Wow. What are photo books that that really inspired you? And they can be new, old. They can be from early days. They can be now. And so we ask every photographer that we speak with three to five photo books. And so the first season that we did, I think it was about thirty guests, and and we we spoke only about the photo books. We 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 just asked them which photo books and why, and then that was a successful season. It was really fun. We enjoyed it. People really got into it, and so we decided for the second season to expand. And in addition to the photo book recommendations, there's a pretty extensive interview with each person. And so yeah. uh, we, we have a pretty grand vision for the Observers Project. And with every season, we're, we're adding a, a thing. And so we're, we're currently working on the third season. And the illustrator who I mentioned earlier, who, who did the illustration for my book, uh, Jeffrey Phillips from Australia, he is also uh, our illustrator for Observers. So one thing that was that is fun about observers is that it's a, a website about photography photo books without photos because every picture on the website that is of a person is illustrated and yeah, yeah. they're great it's i so love good. those it's so good he's yeah. so talented and so unique and we just love it and i think it gives it a very unique you know vibe and aesthetic and so Every portrait of our interview guest is actually an illustration. And then we talk. And then, of course, we do share the pictures of the covers of the books that they recommend. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's all illustrated. So the third season, which I, I don't know exactly when it's going to launch that, but we're getting very close, will actually feature a full redesign of the website. So if you like the way it looks now, it's going to look 10 times better for the next season. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And it's still with the same illustrations and the same illustrator, but just more expansive. And we're really excited about it. Oh, I, it's, love I, it. I, 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 I can already tell it's going to be my new obsession. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, in advance. For real. yeah, it's it's really fun, and it also is a great way for us to, uh, you know, scratch our own itch. We want to mm-hmm. be inspired by photo books, and we want to know which ones. You know, love it, love it, love it, love it. We'll be right back with a listener question right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk comes from Polaroid. 
Use the promo code ANALOGTALK10 on your first purchase on film at Polaroid.com. Just wanted to hop in real quick and let you guys know about our Develop Nights. It's going to be the third Sunday of every month. It's a Patreon-only exclusive. We've done a bunch of them already. It's a ton of fun. If you want to find some more information on it, head over to Patreon.com slash ANALOGTALK. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Shoots Swiftly. That's Emily. She was just our former guest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she wanted to know, what photo in your career made your heart skip a beat? Mm. This is fun. That's a good question. I love this. I don't know if I could answer it. I'm glad I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I have about 17, I think, Uh. that I'd be... Well, two things actually come to mind. One is an older photo, and, and it's a portrait. And one is, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain the second one after that. So the first one that comes to mind is when uh, maybe about, let's say, two and a half-ish years ago, uh, I, I started shooting for uh, National Geographic Traveler. And they wow. asked me wow. uh, to, this was like after I did my first two I think my first two stories or maybe my first story, they have a, a section in the magazine and I actually, I'm, I'm forgetting what they call it, but it's like a one page photo, like a full bleed, full page photo with a tiny little bit of text from the photographer. And they have each issue of the magazine has one by a different photographer. And so they asked me to do one and to put in there um, a photo of my favorite person that I'd ever photographed. And uh, that was very easy for me uh, because there was actually, this is, we're going back to uh, Tennessee. The, this was uh, this incredible lady that I met during, uh, I, I shot this project called One of Many. It, I started shooting that in 2014 to the, and then I think I finished it in 2015. And that's the personal project that set uh, my career off, my professional career off because it was all environmental mm. portraits of creative people. So I went to 12 different cities across the United States. And in each city, I photographed and interviewed 50 creatives. And that was like old people, young people, black, white, women, men, all all genders, all colors, all everything. And so it could be a chef, it could be a designer, it could be all kinds. So it was just like 12 cities, 50 creatives per city. Um, As you can see, I'm really numbers focused. uh, (laughs) And I only do things that are too ambitious. So one of the people that I, I mean, all of these 600 plus people that I photographed was, were incredible, but there was this one lady who just blew me away and inspired me so much. And she was, her her name, she's since passed away, uh, because she lived Mm. a very long and and beautiful life, uh, Phyla Hash, uh, and her son and now grandson are actually continuing uh, to run her company because she was a chef and, uh, mm. She wrote uh, 17 cookbooks in her life. She was one wow. of the first commercial um, flight attendants in America when, because uh, she she passed away in her mid 80s, I want to say. And so mm-hmm. whenever she was that age, it was the first time that, like, right after the war, basically, where right. commercial airlines would have flight attendants. And so she uh, she also designed as a chef this first on board food menu for I want to say it was American Airlines at the time. Um, so she was just this like incredible Southern lady just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I got to go to her farm, which she, uh, which is a wedding venue and also a restaurant. And uh, she she does so many things there. And so these days her grandson runs that it's called Hashland. So Phyla Hash and her last name is H A C H. And so it's Hashland. That's what they call it. 
Um, and so I took a lot of photos of her for, for that project and I got to feature one of them in the magazine. Uh, and, and so wow. that's when I look at that photo, I just remember how she made me feel. I remember how, yeah. you know, when I walked in there, we'd never met. And when I walked in there, she, uh, and I was with, uh, with, with someone else and she, she goes, now who are these beautiful people? You know, with that southern lilt that I will not attempt to uh, replicate, and and so she just had so much life, so much joy, just incredible person, and she was also the first uh, person to have a television show on about cooking in America. No she way. was friends with Julia wow. Childs back in those days. Wow. Yeah, so she's wow. definitely worth looking her up. And so that's yeah, the first definitely. person. That's a very long answer to that question. But that's the first person, the first photo that comes to mind is the photo that ended up being featured in National Geographic Traveler of Phyla Hash because it's, uh, it just reminds me of that day and it was so special. The second thing goes back to the Notice Project and it's hmm. when I was doing the, the curation of the project and I was editing down the images and I was like finding these pairings i found the most bizarre beautiful pairing of two things that were completely unrelated that i could have never planned and so it's a left page right page thing and on the right page there is a uh it's it's um i shot everything uh with like a red filter so and with mm. the black and white work that is of course uh, it's mostly black yeah, and white right. and so I took a photo of this like big, like like a pool that was in someone's front, like backyard that I could see. And there was a, a big blossom flower, like the size of my, the palm of my hand that had fallen off a tree into the water. And so because of the wind that was happening, there were certain ripples in the water wow. and, and those lines cool. curved perfectly in a certain kind of way. And the flower was laying right in the middle of those lines. And so that was a photo on its own that I was really happy about. And then as I was going through the other photos, I found this photo of this, uh, the under part of a brush, basically. And the it's kind of like a mangled brush uh, with a, a certain kind of wood with a certain kind of like a bark on it that has like a rough feeling to it. And when I put them next to each other, the branches... And the ripples in the water formed the same shapes. I mean, what are the odds of that, right? I mean, that's also kind of like a beautiful thing about nature, that nature has these recurring patterns. And and we can't really create anything more original than nature ever. We can, any pattern we can come up with, we'll find it somewhere. And so when I put them together, I had a very special moment too, where I was like, wow, that this is really something else. This is bringing me a lot of joy mm-hmm. right now. And I didn't even feel responsible for it because it's like it kind of was just given to me in a way. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. That's so good. Those, those, so good. That's like, like the, the best part about as a photographer when you can capture those moments because you're like, I was at the right place at the right time. This is nuts mm. and I got mm. it, you know? And it's like, ah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my reaction. <laughs> That's so true, though. Yeah. Oh, man. I just had a, a shot. These birds were flying right in between these power lines. And I looked up right when they were, and I got my camera right when they were in between, mm. you know? And it's like little things like that. And you're like, I don't. I hope I got right. it. And then when you find out either you did, you're like, oh, I got it. Yes. Yeah, that feels good. <laughs> yes. So great answers. I mean. Yeah, I'm, magical, magical answer. I love it. Yeah, the camera, the camera question, it's it's, uh, it's a two-parter, and the first part of the question is the Desert Island camera. The camera that you can't live without, your, your ride or die, like, yeah. 
and the island is magical. You know, it has a photo has, lab. I was going to ask you. Otherwise, it's going to have yeah, to be yeah. a digital <laughs> camera. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, that would yeah, that would be my Pentax X7 II, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, which mm. uh, that camera uh, is very special to me, and it was I've shot with a lot of different cameras, and I and I have uh, fond feelings for for many of them. But when I first started shooting, really straight up from the first roll, I the way I described it to my friend Paul, who I mentioned earlier, my collaborator on Observers, uh, when I shot my first roll, I said I kind of feel like I just came home to this camera. Like Ooh, this yeah. camera is like really like vibing with the way I see mm-hmm. things, uh, and so uh, that's yeah, that's my main my main baby love it yeah it's a great camera Mm -hmm. too man so part two is the the white whale is there a camera that you've you know kind of always wanted to shoot had your eye on you just hadn't had the the chance to get your hands on it Mm, that's a good question i've decided on my setup moving forward and have been like selling off things that i that don't belong in that setup uh, even though I, mm. I like them. And so I don't think there is a camera uh, out there that I that is a white whale in the sense of I would really love to have it because I have I know what I I know what I like and I know it works for me and that's what I have and I don't want any other things. I want multiple copies mm-hmm. of that. I want another <laughs> yeah. 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 Um mm-hmm. so if I were to buy something else, it would just be a second body of that same camera. I, I have Ugh. I have that as my medium for my camera of choice, and then I have another camera that's my thirty five millimeter camera of choice, of which I have three. What, what what's that one? <laughs> that's what's the that Pentax one? LX. But I always say I highly recommend that you do not buy this camera because the reason that I have three is that they break oh. all the time mm. and they're mm-hmm. really expensive, first of all to buy and second of all to, to to fix so i just got two of them back from a cla and that was like 120 bucks a pop you know so it's not worth falling in love with but i've fallen hard in love with that camera too and so that's why i have to have three because otherwise i uh, you know (laughs) she's a heartbreaker heartbreaker. so but but if someone is interested in shooting work similar to that camera you just get an mx because it pretty much does the same thing yeah you you get Mm -hmm. the same lenses it's not the same camera but it's it does all the same things in the same way so um anyways so i i just want lx's and and six sevens and that's all i i really want that's pretty much yeah that's it so as far as like camera that i really would like to add to it i don't i'm trying to not add cameras to it yeah 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 that's yeah. a that's like a huge thing that i'm i'm really trying to work on for mm-hmm. you know this year to on to the future is i did the same i purged a lot of stuff that i loved but it just wasn't getting love from mm-hmm. me you know mm-hmm. like i wasn't using it and i just think it's so important to to find something and stick with it yeah. because that's when the that's when the real magic happens is right. when you have that you know communion with another camera where it's you don't even think about it you just go right. and you do it you know yeah yeah, yeah. And my and and my fa- my favorite film, however, is not film I can shoot on these cameras. It's the FP one hundred C. So mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Oh. So I also have to have a camera for that, which I do. I have a Konica Instant Press, uh, and 
Oh, and that cool. is a cool. that's a strange, very difficult to find camera. Uh, but um, yeah. I actually I'm going to sell it to my good friend Carl Fairs. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but I think I am uh, because he <laughs> also sh- he has a huge um, fridge full of that film still because he got in at the right time. Lucky, and lucky. So when I yeah. when I run out, I'm uh, selling that camera to him because it's an incredible camera. It's very difficult to find. It's expensive. It's a pain in the ass to even deal with, but it takes <laughs> the best photos with that film because it's the one Ooh. that gets you the closest to the subject, way closer than the, right. than the land uh, camera. Right. The reason that I found out about the Konica Instant Press is because I, for observers, I got to interview Danny Clinch, who is a legendary um, photographer of mostly of, of musicians. He's done many famous photos of like all the famous photos of Bruce Springsteen are basically taken by him. Uh, lots of beautiful photos of of Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam all these musicians and he's been around for a very long time and he takes incredible incredible instant uh, peel apart Polaroids and he uses that camera and he told me about it and then I was like well dang now I'm gonna have to and then I ended up (laughs) then I ended up for that Haynes shoot that I mentioned earlier I was in Austin Texas uh, to on, on location to shoot there and I ended up like you know casually browsing craigslist locally seeing if there were any cameras <laughs> and there was that oh i do it i do it know, too. there was yeah. iconic instant press and i was like oh no way because i was i'd been looking for it for a long time and i was like i'm never going to find this camera this is a pain but i think they i read ones and i don't know if this is true that they only ever made a thousand of them oh. because it was only during like a two-year period like right around the time when maybe that film was like going out or something. I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. what it, what's special about this camera is that it gets you way closer to the subject, which is with the way that this film treats skin tones. Amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, good answers to all of that. <laughs> yes. yes, such a good time. Well, Wesley, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited for your book. This has just been, you know. Every time we have conversations with folks like you, we just get so excited. So yeah. thank you yep, yep, yep. Um, for hanging with us. Where can everybody check you out? We have a website, Instagram. Well, as you guys know, my favorite platform is Clubhouse. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me uh, in, in, you know, on Instagram. It's like uh, I'm just Wesley, at Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y. I'm the same everywhere else, uh, but I really don't do much else but Instagram, but really mm-hmm. my my main uh, outlet is my uh, newsletter about photography and uh, finding your voice, which is called Process. So Ooh. you can find that at readprocess.co. Sorry, and um, that's I send it out every Sunday. It has it has different lessons that I've learned. It has a lot of the behind the scenes of making this book. Wow! It has uh, sometimes interviews with people that I'm talking about a specific topic, like uh, my friend Dave Krugman and I talked about the uh, addictive uh, nature of social media and like how we can deal uh-huh. with that as photographers. Um, but I, that's that's my favorite place to consistently share both work and writing in a much more kind of intimate personal way where there's actually an engagement and there's actual conversations that happen with super interesting very curious very passionate fellow photographers and um that is that is really where i'm at these days more so than yeah. social media i love that that you made that a newsletter and not like a blog yeah you know it's just it's nice to just receive you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I would I read it every up. time it came in like versus like you know oh i haven't been to the blog mm-hmm. 
lately or forgetting or like, yeah, that's that's really smart. That's great. I'm going to sign up yeah. too. Yeah, wreathprocess.co <laughs> is the website. Great. Timothy, where are you? Guys, head over to Instagram. It's at Timothy Makeups. I also make some YouTube videos. Uh, Easiest way to find those. Just go to the search bar, type in Timothy Makeups. That's it for me. Chris, where are you? I am Chris B. Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter and Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. And we have a Facebook group you can join. And that's it. Yeah, Thank you again, Wesley. This was phenomenal. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. We'll see you in, in the next one. Bye. Bye. First off, Chris and I would like to thank Wesley for coming on the show. Thanks for taking the time, hanging out with us. Dude, it was so much fun getting to hear about your book project and everything you have going on. Just just a solid, fun, informative conversation. Such a good time. Thanks again. Guys, it's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Like I said at the top of the show, you can get our show for one buck two days early. We have a bunch of other stuff over there. We have developing nights. We have Patreon only after shows. Just a bunch of other fun stuff. Again, it's patreon.com slash analog talk. Check it out. Thanks for all the patrons that already helped support the show. We do not know what we would do without you. That's going to be it for this week's episode, guys. Hope you had a good week, and we will see you next week with an all-new episode. Later. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.